Welcome to the Men of Iron Podcast. My name is Chad Zook. This is episode 92, and it is entitled Hall of Fame. We at Men of Iron are changing a culture one man at a time. It's a passion of ours. It's our calling, and it is our mission. If you are a listener to this podcast, we invite you in on what we are doing. We lean into hard-hitting topics and have impactful conversations to help men improve their faith, family, finances, fitness, and friendships. Our vision for Christianity does not whitewash masculinity. We support a robust and manly Christianity, one that helps men become masculine men. Now let's get into this podcast as we talk about how you can become someone who is worthy of the Hall of Fame. We at the Zook House are a sports family. We watch football, basketball, and baseball when they're in season. Of course, baseball just got over, and the confetti has fallen all over the Atlanta Braves. They were crowned the 2021 World Series champions for the first time since 1995. The Braves shocked the baseball world by being victorious over the commonly despised human Astros. Apparently, people don't like cheating. Like many others, our family watched with bated breath as pitch by pitch, the pitching staff put on a clinic in Game 6. It was astounding, really. The Braves hitters pounded the ball as if they were making their triumphant statement into the history books. My daughter and I often talk about sports, and out of the blue, she asked, do you think any of the Braves players from this year will make it into the Baseball Hall of Fame? It was a really good question, and I gave a pretty grim opinion, and we bantered back and forth as the seasoned sports analyst that we really strive to be. Being considered for the Hall of Fame is an honor and not an entitlement of a long career. Induction into Cooperstown, that is the Baseball Hall of Fame, that's where it's located. So to be inducted into Cooperstown means that you've earned it the right way. You could ask Barry Bonds, Mark McGuire, and Pete Rose. They all can confirm this to be true. My daughter and I talked baseball for a little while longer, and it led me to ask this question. Who is in your personal Hall of Fame? So who is in your personal Hall of Fame? Who would you like to personally thank for making a difference in your life? Maybe it's a parent. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a coach. Maybe it's a mentor. Maybe it's your pastor. Maybe it's a, some sort of teacher you've had. Maybe it's your boss. Maybe it's just that guy who helped you fix your car or to fix your house. Maybe it's something as simple as that. You know, I was, I was reading a book called Wise Guys, and it just there was this one story that the author wrote about, and it reminded me, or I, I was thinking about it as I was preparing for this podcast, and he said this, and a big long story, but I'm just going to give you the summary of it. And the summary is this, the number one thing that a dad wants to hear from his kids is, you did the best you could with what you had to work with, and I appreciate you. So, so what he says, the author says in this book called Wise Guys is this, the number one thing that a dad wants to hear from his kids is, you did the best you could with what you had to work with, and I appreciate you. I, I could not help but think about that. That really impacted me whenever I read that book. It is a great read. I recommend you jump into it. You can go into the show notes on uh, the Men of Iron website, and you could find a link there to purchase that on Amazon if you so choose. But that was a great book, but that's an even better statement. You did the best you could with what you had to work with, and I appreciate you. It's as simple as that. It's not mushy and it's gushy, but it's true, and, and it's meaningful, and it shows respect. 
So I'm going to tell you somebody who's in my personal Hall of Fame. His name is Terry Johnson. His nickname was Fuzz. That We called him Fuzz because he had this huge beard. And at the time, I was in the Boy Scouts, but Terry was this unassuming, middle-class, just hardworking man who invested in young people like myself. He was one of the, the local Boy Scout Troop 68 volunteers. His epic beard earned him the name Fuzz and the nickname Fuzz. But let me tell you what... Terry really earned was respect from people who are around him. Terry was a patient man who saw something in each of us, and he made a commitment to deposit masculine virtues into our lives. This bearded lumberjack of a man invested in people, and young men particularly. On one occasion, he took a group of us boys into his sanctuary. It's also known as his wood shop. His smell of fresh-cut pine hovered around the shop just to, to craft a wood crafter's delight. It was amazing. And all of us, we were in there and we were boys and really didn't know what we were doing, but he was so patient with us. And I know that we were just a splinter away from cutting off our fingers and we loved it, but he, and he also didn't look nervous. He and men like him play a significant role in their community because they aren't chasing accolades. They aren't chasing positions. Instead, they're chasing something that's much more valuable and it's the joy of service. Men are remembered for their words and deeds, but mostly just deeds. That's the reason why Terry is in my personal Hall of Fame, because Terry invested in us, not just that one time, but it was multiple times he invested in us young boys, and he, uh, he played a part in who it is that we became and, and what it is that we learned through scouting. And by looking at, at patient men like him who were willing to invest in someone else, that such compelling vision allowed me to be the man that I am today. One thing's for sure is people are watching. They're watching what we do, and they're watching what we say. So I want to tell you a story. Back in December of 1996, I realized that dates me and also is maybe a date that is prior to your birth, but I'm going to get into the story anyway. I was walking through Cartagena, Spain. This was the first port call on my last appointment in my time in the Navy. And as we're just enjoying the city, it's still one of the best port calls that, that actually I got to experience. The people were wonderful. The food was wonderful. It was just a really enjoyable port call. It seemed like the people really in, they were really thankful that we were there, which was kind of strange because the rest of the places, it seemed like all they wanted was our money and didn't really care if we joined them in bringing our money. You get what I'm saying. But as I'm walking through Cartagena, Spain, and I'm walking there with a friend of mine, we are just enjoying the city, taking in the sights, and what I would typically try to do is kind of get off the beaten path and get away from the rest of the squids. That's just something that Navy people call other Navy people squids, trying to want to try to get away from them. And as we're walking along the road, I looked over and it was this weird thing. It was in the middle of the city, but there had been an old burial ground that had been excavated, but they didn't remove the bones. The bones were laid bare for everybody to see. So imagine if you're in the middle of this city, quite disrespectful, really, I understand that, but you're walking in the middle of the city, and then there's just this area that's been excavated. There's, there's buildings around it, and now in this area, they had just dug up all these, these people in this, uh, in this burial ground, and now all you could do is look and see their bones. 
And the bones were laid bare for everybody to see. And I don't know how long they had been there or how long they were going to be there after I was gone. But I want to tell you, it was kind of creepy. But, you know, here's the thing I think about and just reflecting upon that. because it's It's such a strange thing. It's something you would certainly not see in the United States. It was creepy for sure. But I wonder what kind of lives they lived. Like the people who were there, the people who died in this burial ground. Were, were they generous people? Were they mean people? If they were dads, were they present with their kids? Did their kids know their dad's hopes and fears? Did they instill courage to the people around them? Did they encourage people to live out their faith? Were they even people of faith? What kind of people were they? You know, that's just a, an example of what I've already been talking about with Terry Johnson. You see, people are watching. In irregardless if we like it or not, or irregardless of the type of, of example we're making, people are always watching. There's this epic passage of Scripture. It comes from Hebrews 12, 1 through 3, and this is what the passage of Scripture says. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Considered him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you do not grow weary and lose heart. So who is this great cloud of witnesses? Are they a bunch of perfect people? Are they a bunch of people who did everything right? Uh, no, they're not. They're people who are deeply flawed, just like you and I were deeply flawed. But even in their flaws, these people that, are, that make up this great cloud of witnesses that the author of Hebrews is talking about in Hebrews 12 is a reference to who we just talked about, in Hebrews 11. In Hebrews 11, there's a group of men and women who are unofficially referred to as people who, in the Bible Hall of Faith. A little play on words, not Hall of Fame, but Hall of Faith. And as Hebrews 12 begins, the author details how these heroes impact our lives. So, some things that were mentioned there. He says, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. In other words, what he's saying is, know that these people are watching us. Know that, that what you do is not done in secret. Know that there are these, these people, although they were not perfect, but they are a great cloud of faithful, I'll add that word, faithful witnesses. And they're in heaven above, and they're looking at us and looking at our lives. And what the author of Hebrews is saying is, as we reflect from the Scripture what their lives were like, it should impact our lives for the better. So here's how he details it. You can slowly go through Hebrews 12, 1 through 3 to see what I mean, but I'm just going to take a kind of a quick approach to this just for the sake of time. So one of the things that the author of Hebrews says, he says, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders 
and the sin that so easily entangles. So let's throw off everything that's a hindrance to our life of faith. Let us throw off everything that is a, it's a hindrance to loving God and loving people well. Let us throw off everything and let us, uh, everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles. I love the word entangles because that's what sin does. It wraps us up. We think, oh, we may, may think we get away with it. We don't get away with it. Your sins will find you out. That's what it says in Numbers 32, 23. Your sins will find you out. So you can't get away from your sin. You can't even get fully away from your past. The consequences of your sin are always there. Even if somebody's in Christ and they're saved, we still at times have to deal with the consequence of our sins. Sometimes those consequences are minor. Sometimes they're quite major. Another thing that the author of Hebrews says is, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. I love this terminology because first he said the sin that so easily entangles. If you've ever tried to run while your feet are tangled, you know that you can hardly do that. That's pretty obvious. You guys are smart. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out with us. Well, where does this perseverance come from? It comes from a life connected to God, and it comes from a a life that is empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. Notice that, this reference to the sin that so easily entangles. So so the the author is is kind of juxtaposing these two ideas. He says that the sin so easily entangles you, so you need to be free from that sin so you can run with perseverance the race marked out for God you. Verse 2 says this, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Now, this is an amazing thing, and I realize that I could spend a lot of time on this, but I'm not. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. This is an incredible thing, too, because that means we don't need to be perfect in our faith, that Jesus is the perfection that we need for our faith. He's the author of our faith. He's the prescriber of our faith. He's the one who initiated faith to begin with. It says, so, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, not on, on what's going on in our circumstance and, and, and what we're doing wrong, particularly. It's where our eyes tend to go into shame areas and how people have done us wrong. He says, instead, fix our eyes on Jesus, right? Who, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So this, of course, is a reference to the cross, to the finished work of the cross, Jesus dying on the cross, scorning its shame, taking, taking our, our, our sin, taking our guilt and our, our shame and, and nailing it to the cross. And then after that, you see the completion is what the author of Hebrews talks about, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. In other words, the cross was, was not a period. It was simply a semicolon because the rest of the story would come, that, that he eventually would come back, he would resurrect, and that now he has ascended and he sits at the right hand of the throne of God. I realize that's some theological stuff that's kind of weighty, but it's important. Verse 3 says this, Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men. In other words, consider Jesus who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In this short passage, you see not only a connection to the past with the great cloud of witnesses that is that is peering down on us, that sees what it is that we're doing, looking down from heaven above, but also this idea of the not just the past, but also the future. Because let us fix our eyes on Jesus and everything uh, throw off everything that hinders and, and the sin that so easily entangles, right? And then it says, let us run with perseverance. In other words, telling us that we're, we're, it's, a, it's a race marked out for us going forward. Well, how can we go forward? By fixing our eyes on Jesus. So 
Who was this great cloud of witnesses? The heroes of the faith mentioned in Hebrews 11. You can read that for yourself. They are unofficially referred to as the Bible Hall of Faith. And as the author then details how these heroes impact our lives, all of this is based on Jesus himself. So, so let me summarize very, very briefly. Our lives are connected to their lives. Their faithfulness is to be admired and modeled, and I want to take it a step further, and your faithfulness should be admired and modeled. So not only do we look at their life to either to, to look at their strengths and weaknesses and also to celebrate what they did, and if it's worthy of admiration, to give them admiration, if, it's, if their behavior is worth modeling, to do that, but also moving forward, if we're going to run the race with perseverance, uh, to, to run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, what do we have to do? Understand that, that you don't run alone, that people are watching you live your life. And we should live lives that our faithfulness should be worthy of other people's admiration and modeling. In a podcast that I used to be the host of and a founder call, uh, founder of a movement called New Kind of Man, episode 49, I interviewed a Navy SEAL by the name of Nick Norris. Great conversation. Nick is a, a super humble guy, uh, very smart, very talented. Now he's an entrepreneur. Just great conversation. You can go back and listen to that on uh, however you get a uh, podcast, however you listen to this one. And that podcast is called Live in the Present. Nick was a, a decorated Navy SEAL who operated with Jocko Willink in Ramadi. And he taught me this phrase, memento mori. Memento mori. Memento mori is a Latin phrase that translates in this way. Remember you must die or remember you will die. You see, Nick, he, the reason why that particular Latin phrase got so much attention with me is, is because I had listened to Nick's story, and I, 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 kind of, I could really kind of like connect with him as he's talking about the stuff that happened when he was in the Navy and also what happened in his time post-Navy, but that shaped him in such a way to where he understood that every day mattered. You see, that's what that phrase means, that Latin phrase. It means, remember you will die. This isn't to make you feel sad or hopeless. See, if you hear this and, and you think hopelessness, you're thinking about it wrong. This should inspire you to make more of your days, make the most of your conversations, and to have the best relationships. Momenti, memento mori. Remember, you will die. In other words, what you do today matters. Life is short. I'm going to end the podcast episode with a couple phrases and a quote. To be remembered often do things that are not easily forgotten. To be remembered often do things that are not easily forgotten. Second, what you do today writes your epitaph for tomorrow. What you do today writes your epitaph for tomorrow. I don't know if you're a fan of the band U2. I used to be. But Bono, the lead singer of the band called U2, is quoted as saying this, History, like God, is watching what we do. We have an opportunity every day to become the type of man that is worthy of respect and admiration, and somebody who is worthy of being 
in somebody else's personal Hall of Fame. Let's get to work. <laughs> 